Welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today, we're going to talk about tyranny rising, what are the hills to die on, systemic grooming, schools and the Disney battle, COVID tyranny and Shanghai screams, the Iranian invaders, and if we have time to get to it, Elon Musk shaking things up at Twitter. I love it. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. So last week we took a little vacation. My husband and I went out to California. I did do a live show from California on Thursday. We had a fabulous guest this past Thursday show named Julie Kelly. If you missed the show last Thursday, I really encourage you to listen to it. Uh, Julie Kelly is the author of a book called January 6th. She's also the author of dozens and maybe it's in the hundreds now of columns at the website called American Greatness. And she has singularly focused in on January 6th, the instant that day, the role of the Capitol Police, Nancy Pelosi, the FBI, uh, shares many stories uh, in her book and columns about individuals. Fabulous, fabulous show. But while we were gone for a week last week, and I'm thinking about my shows coming up, you know, I, I, a lot of different people reach out to me and ask to come on the show. And, they, and, and they're, you know, good people who have great causes and they care deeply about America. And they have some effort they're creating, some instant they want to talk about. And I really was, was thinking about, uh, you know, I always tell you, my listeners, and in most of my speeches I give, I always say, you know, my mission truly, honestly, is to save America, is to try to focus on the topics that actually can impact the future of freedom in America or reduce freedom in America if we don't solve those things in the right way. And I started thinking about the most important things because in responding to people who'd like to come on the show and what they're doing, I try to measure it against my standard of what matters in terms of preserving America, the unique, the extraordinary, and the great. So my list, I start with election integrity, and I am going to be hitting on election integrity over and over and over um, this year, and probably for a long time, because if you stop and think about election integrity, if you do not have a system in place in this country in which every legal citizen who's registered to vote in compliance with their state laws has the opportunity to cast one vote and nobody else can vote, and those votes are then counted under a system that assures integrity, and then there's no way to interfere with that election count. There's no way to interfere with that election process. You have the dream the founders came up with, which was the idea that in America, we have actually, we the people are the sovereign, we the people govern. And we are able to hold on to the power, we the people hold on to that power because we're able to vote. We're able to assess what the candidates stand for, what policy positions the parties are taking, the issues that matter most to us, and then based on those issues, we cast our votes. So that way we are shaping our future. We're saying we're voting against people who stand for this and for people who stand for this. If you don't have election integrity, every other issue you ever cared about your entire life will not matter. You could convince every American on every other issue and get the, the American people, the vast majority, 
behind uh, the right idea on certain issues, but if election integrity somehow interferes with that process, if election integrity is destroyed, nothing you did in any other issue will matter because whoever is orchestrating and manipulating the elections will win out on every issue. So election integrity number one, what America is, is what my show is dedicated to trying to explain why America is exceptional, unique, extraordinary, great. Freedom of speech, which is sincerely, deeply, uh, dangerously under fire in America today. Freedom of speech, fundamental right in the First Amendment to the Constitution, along with freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, those core freedoms, those enable our republic to continue. They enable the people to participate in the process. They enable people to share their truth through freedom of speech with others. They allow us to engage as a civil society. Border enforcement. If we do not have a secure border, we're not even a country. We're just some blob of dirt on the globe spinning around the sun. To have a country, to be America, to be sovereign, you have to have border enforcement, which, of course, our present administration has completely abandoned on the southern border. We have to have health care freedom, and that extends to no COVID mandates, no COVID tyranny, no passports. The idea you have the right to govern your own health care, your decisions about your health. Healthcare freedom is fundamental, which is why when many tyrannical leftist communist leaders are moving toward power, trying to gain power, Lenin recognized it and others like him, getting control of the healthcare system gets control of the people. To retain America the free, we have to have healthcare freedom, which includes, again, no COVID mandates, no tyranny, no passports. Right now, a unique and modern but very important issue is currency digitization. We have to oppose currency digitization. And that basically means instead of taking a credit card or a dollar bill out of your wallet to pay for your pack of gum, you're always required to make all your purchases and your payments digitally, which everyone is, which the left is pushing because they say, oh, this is great. It's going to be so convenient. You don't have to carry cash anymore. You don't have to carry cash now if you don't want to. But if every transaction we make is controlled by currency uh, that is digitized, is therefore controllable. And it therefore leads to the kind of system we have in China, the China credit score system, in which your capacity, your freedom to make purchases, travel, fly in airplanes, go on trains, all sorts of things is controlled by your score. And if currency is digitized, every purchase you make, every payment you make is controlled by the government, who therefore understands what you do buy, don't buy, what you do pay for, don't pay for, who's paying you, who you're paying, your privacy, your right to control your life is gone. So currency digitization, bad, 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 uh, loss of rule of law in America. If we do not have the rule of law, we may as well forget everything else. Right now, we're watching in the January 6th committee out of Washington, D.C., the choices they're making and uh, the people they're subpoenaing, the criminal charges being brought against Americans who never even entered the Capitol on January 6th. We are watching before our faces a dress rehearsal for the utter loss of the rule of law, especially when you compare the way the government treats those people with the way the government treated the masses of people motivated, motivated by anti and Black Lives Matter out throughout 2020 into 21 who burned down police buildings, who burned cars, who killed people, who destroyed acres of businesses across America's cities. 
and virtually no prosecutions and very, very light sentences. Contrasting that with what is occurring for people who, most of whom in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, were trying to assert their opposition to what they saw as a stolen election, were trying to stand up for their democratic rights, for freedom of speech, their constitutional rights, for freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, and they're getting locked up. This, my friends, is loss of rule of law. Uh, we're talking about children and public education, sexual grooming. My next to last topic, which is, of course, the idea that in our public schools, our children are being conditioned and taught by whatever the public school teachers decide to teach them. So in America, finally, we have many parents awake, really now for the first time in decades, recognizing the schools are teaching and engaging in sexual grooming. The schools are teaching critical race theory, which is essentially a Marxist idea that everyone should simply define themselves by their skin color and then be turned against everyone else who's not in their skin color group. That's what critical race theory does, far more to it than that. But recognizing in this quest to save America and to preserve America, we have to get control of the public education system or get your kids out of that public education system. We have to be, as parents, as those guardians of liberty, we have to be the ones speaking up in the public schools, ending their perverse dedication to sexual grooming, which is what they are doing, and critical race theory, and, uh, and basically anti-American teaching. This is, if you want to save America, you got to save the schools. And the last issue, I'm putting my, my category, my list of things you have to preserve or you cannot have a America as imagined, America the free, America the extraordinary, America the great, America that has brought more prosperity, abundance, civility, stable, civilized society than any other country on earth. You have to hold on to that, and to hold on to those ideas, you have to defend life. The idea of the right to life, not right to life if you're only a perfectly uh, formed fetus whose parents simply choose to keep you or not keep you. Protection of life is fundamental to protection of America. That's my list. And I'm telling you that because I do get many emails. I don't even have time to reply to them all. These are kind of the categories I care about the most and want to make sure in America we're trying to preserve. So in closing out uh, in, in uh, my first five today, I will say there are commentators watching around the world about the idea that tyranny is on the rise. Literally, tyranny is on the rise. In the European Union, you have the European, very Marxist, socialist uh, control over European countries. Uh, they are striking out at voters in countries or EU members who don't comply with their wishes, who vote for, for leaders who want freedom. You have a runoff election now of all things in France, uh, where the freedom crowd may just actually win the election in France. So you have a rise of tyranny, but you have on the other side, and what this side this show is on, you have a rise of people who truly, deeply, actually value freedom who want it and they will stand up for it and they will define it and they will teach it and they will share it. So the next generation understands, as one of our founders actually said, the idea, you know, you have to hold on to freedom or you'll lose it. Many great founders quotes, I don't have them ready today, but talking about the idea, freedom isn't free, it doesn't come free. It requires the actions, the motivation, the passion, and the activism of Americans in every generation to stand up for it or you will lose it. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So I call this, uh, this um, segment systemic grooming and the Disney battle. I will tell you that I was on the phone this morning with a friend of mine uh, who's in Washington and he does a lot of political stuff. Anyway, we were talking about the grooming cases and, uh, and how we are watching what the public schools do um, and what they're teaching children. And I want to just um, 
I want to urge you to think about the idea that, you know, for many years, for many years, really, there was really not much of any uh, sex education schools. There began to be some just kind of argument being, you know, some parents don't teach their kids about the birds and the bees, so we really have to do that. But that was really kind of a, um, you know, that, that was the argument to justify what they were, um, the introduction of sex education. We've gone to where, from a little bit of a birds and the bees, case on the facts of life, to advocacy, advocacy for every form of gender fluidity, gender confusion, uh, at the very, very, very youngest grades. And I want to play, uh, ask uh, Mr. Becker to play me a clip, play us a clip. Uh, this is a teacher who is in, um, they, he's uh, all excited about this idea of a transition closet. And he, they actually call it this. And there were two public schools in California in which this was discovered to be a, having taken place where there's a closet at school and very young children upset about the way their parents or, or teachers who think maybe these kids really aren't the gender their parents say they are, to be clear, what these teachers think is maybe they can lure these kids into gender confusion. They put together a transition closet. I'm going to ask Mr. Becker to play that very quickly. My principal just approved our district's first transition closet. We'll be working with the organization, The Transition Closet, to provide clothes for transgender, non-binary, and gender-exploring youth who maybe don't have the access or the safety to get those clothes uh, in their personal lives. They'll be able to come to school and change into the clothes that make them feel more at home and more like themselves. And I just think that's lovely. Okay, so he thinks that's lovely. Let me explain a little more about that guy. That guy you were seeing uh, doing his little video, he's actually, if you caught the words he was saying, I mean, he kind of, you know, mumbling through it, but he, he's actually talking about the idea. They're, in, they're installing a transition closet. This is at Fremont High School, uh, and this is a, um, a, but this is also occurring at very, very young grades, where they're basically telling kids that they can come into this closet and they are dressed in the clothes they, they, their parents made them wear because their parents still believe this foolishness that their child is a girl, the child is a boy, uh, because of, that's what they are, biologically. But they get to school, and the school is saying, hey, you know, we could kind of, uh, you know, you can come here, you can be who you really are. And so you go in this closet, and they teach, they're actually talking about in this closet, teaching girls how if they want to compress their breasts so they look more like boys, they teach them how to do that. They teach them how to pretend to be the other gender. Please allow yourself to consider. These are, this is an era in public school where the public schools of America are way behind many schools in around the world because we're caught up on discussing gender and gender fluidity and gender questioning and gender open to consideration, all the categories they make up. And then as compared with schools around the world, especially in these countries where we should be worried the most, like in China, where they are pushing younger and younger kids to learn high level mathematics, learning actual substantive topics. And we in America, and this is one of the things I said my, like, you know, my hill to die on first five, getting a hold of public education, getting rid of all of this gender fluidity discussion in public schools. Not just holding off to, okay, maybe sixth grade, maybe eighth grade. It doesn't belong there. And this is, we've gotten this crazy place but what I'm saying sounds extreme. Like, you know, you can't just, you can't just take gender fluidity out of, yes, you can actually, you can. 
There are boys and there are girls, and everyone basically knows this. And, and there was a discussion recently, as you may recall, there was a discussion about the uh, teachers who are very, very, very upset because in Florida, the law now says that teachers can't talk with their kindergarten through third graders, so very young kids, five to eight years old, can't talk to them about gay and gay advocacy and and uh, and just you know their their gay lifestyle preferences. They're supposed to just actually teach them stuff like the kids should be learning, and the teachers are lamenting this. We've gotten to the point the left, as it does on issue after issue after issue, pulls the American political conversation, pulls the norm in American society further left and further left into lunacy. So. Actually, mainstream, Main Street, apple pie, straight-up American ideas, like there are two genders, and that you don't lure young children into being confused and urge them to think maybe you're not really your gender that you think you are, that your biologist says you are. Your parents are just mean. If your parents weren't so mean and stupid, you wouldn't think this. If you want to defend America, that's a great place to start, in the public schools, getting rid of gender-luring, gender trans, uh, you know, gender uh, confusion, gender uh, fluidity, all that discussion, especially with young children. And the idea, they're now celebrating, which you heard that teacher talking about, if you couldn't tell what he was saying, he's saying they're going to have a transition closet so kids can come from home, dress like their parents make them dress. They're old-fashioned, you know, who knows, Christian weirdo parents who believe in gender, and the kid can come to school and dress any way he wants to dress it, or, and, and live that identity all day long, and that's who they can, they can be themselves at school. It is driving a wedge between children and their parents. It is a state. Public schools are the state. They are government schools. It's the state, the government schools, taking the role, usurping the role of parents and saying to little kids, don't you worry what your mommy and daddy said. They don't know anything. We know. We understand. You're really uh, this and not of that. Whatever it is, you're really a girl even though you are biologically a boy or vice versa. The schools, and it is insidious, and as I tell you in the show on so many topics, the left in this country, if any word were to capture the left besides nefarious, it is just relentless. Relentless. They will never stop pushing every perversion, every anti-American thought that they possibly can. They push it every place, every direction, all the time. Public schools, we have recently discovered, are a place where kids go to school. We, you know, my parents sent us to school. They didn't really worry what we were learning, except they wanted to make sure we did our homework and, you know, we were handing our homework in time and getting good grades. But now you have to ask your, your, at your public school in kindergarten, you're not uh, trying to teach my little boy he's really a girl, are you? I mean, you have to ask these things. This is the lunacy of the left that's taken over the schools, and it's imperative for parents who want to maintain their role as parents, as deciders of, the, uh, of what, their ch what their children are, who they are. Those parents have to take charge of schools, and they are. I will tell you something else that's happening in New Jersey. This is now, this is New, even after all of this discussion around America, all these parents waking up, showing up at public school, at school board meetings, still in New Jersey, first graders, first graders, these are like six-year-olds, first graders are going to learn about gender identity in their new sex education lessons, first graders.
I, I mean, you can't even, I don't know, I, I have a wide range of ages of listeners to my show, and some of you might be, uh, you know, grandparents of six-year-olds, you might be parents of six-year-olds, you might be a young millennial thing about having kids. Sixth graders, in case you've forgotten, are practically babies. They're very, very young. They're very malleable. You could teach them that a ghost lives in that closet and they'd believe you. They believe, most of them believe in Santa Claus. These are kids who can be taught anything and they'll just believe it. And they have first graders in New Jersey being taught about the idea that the kids are, it's called pink, blue, and purple. This is a 30 minute lesson for first graders um, to teach six year olds to define gender, gender identity, and gender role stereotypes. And the teacher actually is told in this lesson plan, the teacher tells the student, their gender identity is up to them. You got to decide your gender identity, not your silly parents, not your biology, not your doctor. You decide. If, you, if you're really, you know, if you think you're the opposite, you're allowed to be that. As, and the lesson plan says, you might feel like you're a boy, even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are girl parts. You might feel like you're a girl, even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are boy parts. And you might not feel like you're a boy or a girl, but you're a little bit of both. No matter how you feel, you're normal. And I mean, the schools have no business even having the discussion, frankly, with any age child, but certainly not with a first grader. But I'm telling you, talking about defending America, we have our military defends America, we have our congressmen and a small cadre of our congressmen who actually try to stand up for preserving America and liberty. But the battle to save America for the future of America, the freedom of America, if you don't have our kids emerging out of public schools with their head on straight, you're really, really way down the path of danger and confusion in this country. So starting with the New Jersey public school, um, the idea that there are, who, by the way, the kids are still coming to school in masks, masks, which we've now had basically everybody, doctors of all backgrounds saying, Everyone learns in medical school, you know, mask 101 is not really called that, but they, you learn that in first year of medical school, masks do not stop the spread of viruses. Did you know that? You learn that in medical school. It is the, you can go to websites and read about it. America's frontline doctors. This is what doctors are taught. Masks don't stop the spread of viruses. All they do in the hospitals, you see doctors with masks, they stop the spread of fluids. When they could be examining a patient with a wound or in surgery, it stops the spread of sputum. You know, if they may be if they, any kind of release in their mouth uh, of spit or of uh, or they have sweat or anything dropping, you know, any, anything bodily fluid type. It does not prevent a virus from entering anyone's nose or mouth. And, they, and doctors have known this since time began. Anyway, back to schools. So I want to say, so you have the transition closet happening. Uh, and then the other thing I just really want to um, urge you to think about this is what happens when your kids go online and they just type in the word gender, like, like what, what's a gender? What, what do you think gender is? So I sent to Mr. Becker uh, a, a little clip. Uh, this is for, uh, I think I just called it in here. I don't know what I called it, but anyway, it's when, you, when kids go on YouTube and they type in, what's a gender? I want to have Mr. Becker play this for you. It's time to expose the grooming on YouTube Kids. What happens when kids search gender? You think your kids are safe there? Watch this. one has a penis. It's a boy. This one has a vulva. It's a girl. Whoa. Let's hit the brakes, people. 
The way your body looks on the outside is only part of the story. Huh? What? <sighs> Stay with me, gang. Your sex refers to your physical body parts, remember? But there is also something called gender, which is how you feel inside your body and who you know yourself to be. And your gender, how you feel on the inside, doesn't always match the sex you were called when you were born. But what if you were born with a penis and you know you're a girl inside? not a boy. Then your sex and your gender don't match. The body parts you were born with don't always dictate who you are, how you feel, or what you like to play with. That's such a relief. Figuring out what feels right for you is just part of growing up. <laughs> Queer kids stuff. Today, we're gonna talk about gender. Boys can't wear dresses, can they? Well, why not? You should wear whatever clothes make you feel like the best version of yourself. People who are trans do not identify with the gender doctors tell them they are when they are born. We're going to talk about what it means to be trans in a later episode. But Lindsay, I still don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. Well, Teddy, did you know that some people aren't boys or girls? When you meet someone, just ask them what their pronoun is. What's your pronoun, Teddy? I don't feel like a she. I guess my pronoun is they. Meet the gender unicorn. You can check it out at transstudent.org forward slash gender. I'm pretty sure I'm gay, which means when I'm physically attracted to somebody else, they are usually male. Romantically or emotionally attracted to. Physical attraction and romantic emotional attraction sometimes match and sometimes they do not. That an individual's physical, romantic and emotional attraction to another person can depend on and is certainly not limited to that person's sex assigned at birth, their gender expression, and their gender identity. Okay, we gotta cut this off. I can't even stand it. When you think that your kids, I mean, parents, grandparents, you think we're kids, oh, you know, we have uh, kitty controls on, so they can't really do searches that are, you know, they're gonna get them to something really bad. That stuff you were just seeing is not subject to the kitty controls on YouTube. So your child, you think you're raising your kids and you're teaching them, yes, you're a you know, little boy, little girl, and you're teaching them that they, who they are. And for many parents, including in America, many Christian parents, many people of the Jewish faith and other faiths, their sense of identity of who they are and their children are is a God-given thing. What the schools are doing when they are pushing this you know, gender closet, gender transition, gender confusion, and then YouTube comes along the way they're not just undermining the parents' right to teach their children the truth of male and female, but they're undermining the parents' capacity to impart to their children the importance of God-given identity. I mean, that, that's what identity for many people, where it comes from, for, for, to my sense, and, and to many conservatives, and frankly, just many people. And to have the school just say, don't listen to your wacky parents. They don't really know. We know you're not really a girl if you don't want to be a girl. It is extremely harmful, extremely harmful to the whole cohesiveness of the family unit. One last thing I talked about in this sexual uh, grooming section and why I mentioned my friend I talked to earlier, we were talking about how um, this whole thing with um, what has happened with grooming, it's really systemic. And part of what I, I saw recently an article, there was, a, there was some uh, LGBTQ activist group complaining about the uh, conservatives using the term grooming. 
because grooming has a sinister element to it. It's like an intentionality. It's like when people talked about um, what happened in England. There was a, a large influx of Islamic uh, refugees into England, and it was a huge scandal because it turned out those this, uh, Islamic refugees had set up uh, some majority community and were grooming young girls, meaning they were working over time, enticing them into believing they should be uh, sexually active with these uh, refugees, these Muslim refugees. I don't remember the name of the case, but it was a huge case. There was a huge prosecution brought about in England and the UK, finally, because of it. But the point was, grooming has a sinister connotation. It's an intentionality. You're not just informing. You're not just teaching so they have a better understanding. You are luring, informing, you're advocating, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're intentionally pushing an ideology and behaviors on a child to prepare them for sexual activity. And the leftists cannot stand the idea that the current you know, gender fluidity discussion in kindergarten is being called grooming. But it is grooming. That, that's what grooming is. When you teach people, uh, and it, as this case was in England, cases around the world, grooming has a very intentional, specific meaning about the idea you're using what you're teaching to entice them to come along and see things your way and, and to be, indulge in behavior and to be submissive to behavior that you're pushing. And so my friend and I were talking this morning about the idea of systemic grooming. What we have in public schools with the pushing of gender fluidity, gender confusion, don't tell your parents, this is grooming kids to turn away from what their parents teach them, turn away from they may learn, be learning in church or synagogue, and letting the school be the single source of the lesson, letting the school be the, the entity that tells them truth, and many parents do not like it. If you're on our, if you're radio listeners, by the way, I tell you folks, our radio listeners, you're headed off for a break at the bottom of the hour. We have a three-minute break. Do come back for the second half of America Can We Talk. You're listening to America Can We Talk. Our website is americacanwetalk.org. Check out that website. You can get in touch with us at that website. You can subscribe to our newsletter. You can donate to support this show. You can become a member of this show. But come back after three minutes to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. Much more to talk about on this very wonderful deep dive, Dress Down Monday. Back everybody else. Um, I will tell you, that I didn't get to the story about DeSantis in this last segment, but I want to quickly say there's obviously an ongoing dispute with Governor DeSantis in Florida. Finally got this law assigned into law, basically just saying we're not going to, we're not going to engage in sexual propagandizing for children between the ages of kindergarten and third grade, basically five and eight years old. This law in, in Florida is basically saying, we're not doing that. We're gonna stop this sexual, I call it, systemic gro uh, grooming of children at that young age. And so Disney weighed in, and Disney, of course, located in Florida, and their CEO weighed in with just outrage, and he called this uh, the anti-gay law, which doesn't, the law doesn't say anti-gay. It says we're not going to engage in sexual grooming of young children. That's pretty much what the law says. Kindergarten through third grade, you know, let them be children. So Disney made a big fuss about it. What's been so interesting is, on the one hand, uh, Disney has uh, come out saying they're going to fight every day. They're going to stand up and fight because they stand for LGBTQ and everybody other, you know, all the other genders and, and, and behaviors that are being advocated for. And they're standing up. What is so interesting is that there were stories out about right away people saying, you know, that um, people should stop going to Disney on vacation. So you don't, don't take your vacation there. 
unsubscribe from Disney channels. There were a lot of stories out early about how many people had done that and how the attendance at Disney was way down. But I'm going to tell you folks, as I say at the start of my show, the things I stand up for to stand up for America, I do those because those are the things that are under assault from the left in America. Those things are very much under assault. Certainly, the identity of America is under assault, freedom of speech, all those issues. It will not be enough in America for us just to say, to rebuke Disney, to have a one-time, that's it, I'm turning off this Disney movie. Concerted effort is needed to push back against the Disney Corporation until it hurts them financially. Until it hurts them financially, they will continue to advocate for this. And I want to make, I think it's a really important point to understand. Because the left owns the media and the left owns academia and journalism and the left's ideological control over most elements of our society is massive. So the Disney folks actually think they believe they're standing up for the, what the majority of Americans think. They actually think that. But they make their business, they make their billions because they have theme parks with Mickey Mouse in them, with children's entertainment. And if there ever was a time that Americans who love just normal morality, who do not want to have sexualization of small children pushed on them, this is a great time to stand up to Disney. So welcome back to our radio listeners. I'll just tell you, we're always saying the break was the ongoing battle occurring uh, in Florida between Disney um, uh, and the uh, governor, DeSantis, and the Republican legislature that recently said we're going to stop sexually grooming small children in kindergarten through third grade. Disney is pushing back, and I'm just urging people, if there ever was a time to say, you know what, let's boycott Disney for about a year, this would be your year to do it. It's a simple message to send. We, the American people, parents with small children, we don't want our kids going to a park where anything like sexual uh, fluidity, gender identity, gender confusion uh, is, is being pushed as thematic. And what happened to Disney, as you likely know, we played the clip I think a couple weeks ago now, but there was a, a meeting at Disney in which there was actual conversation about within the high levels of Disney how, yeah, we, we're trying very hard to push the sexual LGBTQ agenda out in every way we can. We're working to find more characters like that, more storylines like that. They're pushing the LGBTQ agenda, and they do it in part because they actually are not aware that the majority of Americans are not with them. And I will stake my, uh, my reputation on this. The majority of Americans do not want Disney characters, Disney entertainment, or public school pushing sexual LGBTQ themes on small children. They don't. They want this to stop. They want children to get to be children. They want Disney to be in the business of entertaining with their characters and their park and their rides and even their films, leaving the agenda of the LGBTQ world out of their entertainment. It doesn't belong there. And the, LG, the Disney folks will only understand that if it hurts them in their pocketbook. Okay, I'm naturally getting high. Uh, quickly, I'm getting ahead of myself on time. Right. More stories in time, as usually happens. But, you know, one thing I talk about in Saving America, and I did it in my little list of seven things at the beginning of the show, is just basically it comes down to you have to stand up for freedom. You have to recognize in America that we have in our founding documents, we have the promise of freedom. And this is why I pushed during the COVID pandemic, which is over, but during the COVID pandemic, during the extreme push for, of tyranny under the COVID uh, pandemic, 
I push for freedom of Americans to recognize you have to stand up for your freedom because there will always be officials who will be happy to take it away from you. Always be people in every country happy to confine you to their understanding of what you should do, happy to take away your freedom. Just think for a moment what happens is happening right now in Shanghai. If you don't know about this, this is a gruesome story. I decided not to send this video to Mr. Becker, but I will tell you about it because what's happening in Shanghai. In China, as you might imagine, under the Chinese Communist Party, there is no such thing as a Bill of Rights. There is no such thing as a freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. There's no such thing as a promise we have in America in the Declaration of Independence that we all have rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. None of all those concepts that are inherent in American society do not exist in Communist China. So Communist China did a crackdown because they're worried about COVID uh, in the area of Shanghai. So literally, there are people in Shanghai in very, very, very tall, huge, enormously tall high rises who cannot leave their homes. China, the way they want to crack down on COVID is can't leave your homes. Can't go out. Very, 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 very restrictive. Tiny amount of time you can get out to get food. They're having riots in the streets because there's not enough food. People can't get to food where they make food available. The people are literally in a riot scene in the streets fighting each other for boxes of food to hustle back up to their high rise. This is what they've been reduced to in China because they don't have freedom. They don't have a promise of freedom. They've never, the, the children, the adults in China have never had that promise of freedom instilled in them. It just doesn't exist. So there's video showing, and I, as I, maybe I will bring it tomorrow, but or send it to Mr. Becker tomorrow, but video when it gets dark in Shanghai at night, when it gets dark, people are taking video with their phone. People are opening their windows and just screaming. It's eerie and it's creepy, screaming about, please, please let us out of here. Let us go, let us have freedom. We don't want to be confined. And these, you know, and these are like prison cell type high rises. Do not think there's anything fancy about them. But, <clears throat> you know, this, uh, they, they had a coronavirus lockdown in China. It's a very poorly planned, as most central planning is. Um, rotting food, lack of basic necessities. But the point is that people are miserable there and they don't really have a way to fight back. They, they don't have the presumption of freedom. So when I talk about in America, um, when I talk about in America, that we need to stand up for freedom. I mean, the next time any of these people talk about, well, you know, Fauci saying again recently, well, we might have to go back to masks. I mean, I don't know, might need masks. No, you know, voluntarily wear it, sure. Absolutely, if you wanna wear it, you feel safer, you're trying to protect a senior member of your family, I don't care. But the freedom to do it to, or not do it, it should be yours. And the freedom to travel, again, airplanes, travel, be in public places, has got to be yours. And this. I mean, that this image of Shanghai, people screaming, opening their windows, screaming, it's not only because they are tired of being locked up like lunatics, you know, like an insane asylum, but they have no way to fight back. In America, we only have a way to fight back if we do fight back, if we assert our freedoms, if we stand up for our rights. And, and it's not like, it's not like we can let a lot of bad things go and then all of a sudden say, okay, now that we think about it, you know, we, we want our freedoms. I mean, we have in the last couple of years in America, 
because so many people just went along with the government mandates and went along with when they're allowed to go out and states, and it wasn't just the federal government. Fauci was bad enough issuing all these uh, proclamations, but the state level, the county level, city, city level, I mean, the lower levels of government actually imposed this kind of tyranny. And there were people talking at the time saying, just be very, very careful. What you say is okay. Because if they can do this over COVID, and we all just say, well, okay, we have a God-given right to freedom. We have rights in the Declaration of the Constitution. And we all know we do. But if there's a health threat, health scare, okay, we give up. If you give up then, you have a very hard argument later because there will always be a new virus. There will always be a new iteration. There will always be something that justifies those people who always want to control you and take away your freedom. Something will always happen to justify them making that next demand to take away your freedom. Stand for freedom now. Okay, I want to hit this quick story. This is, um, it didn't get the attention in a lot of uh, media outlets that uh, you might think it would have, but uh, the one uh, outlet I want to mention here, uh, there's a writer named Sam Fad. I call this Iranian invaders. There's a writer named Sam Fadis, F-A-D-D-I-S. He's been on the show numerous times. He and his wife actually founded this online uh, magazine called AND, A-N-D, just like the word AND, AND magazine. Uh, I think it's .com. And then he, Sam Fadis, has a Substack also, which you likely know is you, if people want to write longer pieces, they have a Substack account and some of them are free, some you pay for. But in any case, he, Sam Faddis, you know who he is. He's a former, long-term, well, highly regarded CIA operative. He is a brilliant thinker about America, about what our foreign enemies are doing, what actions mean by other countries. Longtime foreign actor in the CIA, huge patriot, great, great writer. So he uh, is talking about the, um, the relatively little coverage of the arrest of two Iranians here in America. Their names are Aryan Taharzadah, Aryan Taharzadah, and the other person's name, Hader Sher Ali, A-L-E. These two Iranians posed as DHS agents, Department of Homeland Security. They posed as in pretended to be DHS agents, and they, through their work, undercover, pretending to be DHS agents, and they're really Iranian agents, they managed to infiltrate a Secret Service uh, protective detail. So Secret Service, you likely know, protects the president, the vice president, uh, former presidents, very, very high-level officials. Secret Service, these are highly trained people in the Secret Service, people who are protecting our, our highest officials. So these two uh, were written off, Sam Fass making the point, these two Iranians, uh, again, Aryan Taharzadah and Hader Sherali, were written off by much in the, many in the media as, oh, these are just grifters, kind of goofballs, they just kind of stumbled in, look what they were able to do, you know, they duped the Secret Service and were, were hanging out with the Secret Service people um, and, and uh, the, the notion that they were just grifters or goofballs is what he's trying to say, no, 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 no. Please wake up and recognize who these people are and were. They also had the investigation just started. Um, in fact, the assistant U.S. attorney, Joshua Rothstein, um, there was a detention hearing for these two Iranians uh, last Friday. Um, he said, every day the facts get worse and worse. 
So listen to what these people have managed to do. They finally figure out they were not really DHS agents. They have been arrested. They searched their, their um, homes. He says, this is U.S. Attorney Joshua Rothstein. Every day the facts get worse and worse. The defendants were not merely playing dress-up with firearms and ammunition, body armor, tactical gear, surveillance equipment. They were engaged in conduct that represented a serious threat to the community and compromised the operations of federal law enforcement and created a potential national security threat. This is like, I mean, this is like spy novel stuff, except fortunately we caught them. And I just want to, you know, we're going to talk more about this. Sam Faddis is doing a several-part piece on it. Um, and he talked about the, the, uh, the um, weapon rediscovered when they actually searched these people's home. Um, in fact, I'll tell you a little bit about it. As they searched their home, law enforcement recovered numerous electronic devices, including, among other things, a significant quantity of surveillance equipment, approximately 30 hard drives, hard drive copying equipment, a computer server containing six modules, a machine to create and program personal identification verification cards and blank cards with embedded chips, a currency counter, several subscriber identification modules, and antennas. So it's basically a machine to make PIV cards as well as passport photographs. Witnesses uh, saw this guy, Teherzadeh, with a PIV card he used to log into his laptop that had a DHS label on it. And I'm just going to say this much. This is a really good, good story to follow in terms of how serious we are at the national level and recognizing this kind of intrusion. I want to remind you that as Iran is sending over these kind of people to America, now these people did not, in my, I will guesstimate, these two people did not wake up one day in Iran and thinking, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we went over to America and then we pretended we were DHS agents and we put together a bunch of uh, you know, storylines and IDs and got some... These people were obviously aided by the Iranian government. I mean, you have to process that fact. They didn't just decide. It's not like two guys in America lived in Nebraska one day woke up and said, you know what, let's go spy on Russia and got you know, heavily embedded in some Russian uh, you know, high-level government protective agency. This, this isn't just two bizarre little grifters from Iran. So at the same time, Iran is apparently enabling, sending, supplying, teaching, training, facilitating all of what these two people did. Biden is in the process over in Iran of engaging in this continued effort to give Iran nuclear weapons. It's also known as the Iranian deal, which was what Obama signed when Biden was vice president. And at the time that was signed under Obama, we had many national security experts on this show saying, this is the worst deal ever. Everything about this deal, this Iranian deal, Obama said was allegedly to stop Iran from developing nuclear weapons, was actually enabling Iran to develop nuclear weapons in no small part because the carve-out of areas where within the Iranian deal Obama struck, the carve-out of areas where the inspectors could not go were the Iranian facilities most likely to be the ones where they're building nuclear weapons. I mean, it was the most, I mean, you know, emperor has no clothes. Is someone going to say something here about this deal? Many Americans did. The deal went through, as you know, um, Obama circumvented the Senate, made the deal, and on we go. So Trump wisely got rid of the deal, got rid of that 
um, JCPOA deal, the Iranian deal, and now we have Biden back in office, and he's negotiating. So here is Biden negotiating with a country whose leaders regularly are still chanting death to America, who are sending over spies to invade at the highest levels, invading and, and making contact and getting into the trust of Secret Service agents, and we're still negotiating with them as though these are rational and responsible players in the international scene, instead of treating them as Trump did, as the world's troublemakers, and Iran regularly described by multitude of national security experts, the single largest terror exporting country in the world. And we're negotiating them with them, essentially, to make sure they can develop nuclear weapons. When I tell you that you should be very, very concerned about Joe Biden and what his mission is, what his intentions are, this is a good example why. We'll follow up more on this Iranian story. I do want to hit um, a couple other quick things. But this Iranian story, again, read Sam Faddis' coverage of it, because it's really, really good. Um, and it is imperative that we hold to account. And there is a prosecution going on. These parents, two apparently are you know, locked up, at the moment at least. Uh, apparently, we don't just send them back to Iran, tell them don't do that again. Instead, say, actually, you know what, uh, to Iran, uh, there has to be some consequence to the fact they sent these clowns over here. We'll come back to that, though. I want to hit this other just quick thing on Elon Musk before we wrap up the story today. This is my problem on Mondays. First of all, I, I took last week off three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So even though we're on vacation, my husband had a great time and all that, and we did a lot of hiking and fun stuff like that, you know, we read the news. And so I'm always thinking about stories I read and how to tie them back to my theme of my show, which is the duty of the patriots in every generation to protect and preserve America, to recognize the unique, extraordinary greatness of America, and to recognize there will always be forces in the world trying to destroy America, trying to take away America's unique greatness, trying to undermine it some way. Every generation of patriots has the job to defend in their era and their time what I, the idea of America is, and we have that duty now. So I read these stories on vacation. I, I can't get to them all. And then I get to on Monday mornings, get ready for the show. And there's so many stories. So uh, I, I want to just tell you there are more things I love to talk about. I'm going to really quickly hit on Elon Musk, more things about him. But you likely obviously saw the story that Elon Musk purchased a significant uh, shareholder interest in Twitter. I mean, Twitter that was, you know, banned President Trump, banned lots and lots of people. Um, and, and, you know, he's just a, um, he, he's just a force to behold, uh, Elon Musk, you know, things people like and don't like about him, but he doesn't like the uh, freedom of speech being taken away. So he acquired a significant percentage of uh, ownership of Twitter. Uh, and with the story was he was going to be put on the board. Uh, and so, you know, that was really, really alarming. In fact, there were really funny stories about high-level people at Twitter just about beside themselves. You remember the picture? Remember the picture when um, it was announced in 2016 that Trump won the election, the presidential election? And there was this one picture. It got, it got plastered all over the Internet. It was a young girl just hysterically beside herself that Hillary lost. And she's got her mouth open and she's screaming and she's got her head back and she just looks like she just got told that the world ended or something. I mean, she's just hysterically upset. Well, some of these pictures and stories about some of the high-level people at Twitter were kind of like that, the idea that Elon Musk actually has a significant ownership interest in Twitter. And then the story was out that he was going to take a seat on the board at Twitter, which was really making all these free speech 
you know, eviscerating leftists out of their minds because Twitter, if there ever was a, an organization that censors speech, that allows, you know, all sorts of very, very ugly left-wing sources to stay on Twitter, to spew out their hate, spew out their crazy. But, you know, conservatives regularly removed from Twitter, regularly taken down, you know, sometimes invited back, sometimes not. I could run through a list. But anyway, a lot of people have been removed from Twitter. So Elon Musk shows, they feel like, yeah, this is great. Well, he's not going to take a position on the board at Twitter, but that's okay. He's still got a significant ownership interest. In fact, his he may be the single highest, he may have the single largest number of shares, percentage of shares of any one entity of Twitter. I think that's right, but I'm not sure. But in any case, he's not going on the board. But one of the uh, reasons that was laid out this morning was that's because um, he was told if he got on the board, he was prohibited from buying, he was limited in how much more control he could buy of Twitter. Like he could only get up to whatever it was, 14.9 or something percent. And then he wouldn't be permitted as a board member to control any more of Twitter. So the thinking is maybe he's not on the board because he's going to say, you know what, actually, I want even more of this. I want to bring this beast down. I have to tell you, you know, whatever else you think about Elon Musk, anything else, I love the idea that he is in the middle of things at Twitter because really it is one source of the left-wing monopoly on what people understand. The monopoly on speech, the monopoly on, you know, it's not a monopoly exactly, but it's like that. The social media giants all together, uh, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, and, and you know, they, they control a lot. And when I, when I say that, I mean, when they keep people off, they kick people off, let other people stay on, what they really end up controlling is what the American people believe is true. And this is why it's alarming. I mean, you have young people who actually still believe that Trump-Russia collusion happened. They actually, not just young people, they actually think it happened, but Doug Gonnett Mueller just couldn't find out, or Robert Mueller just couldn't figure it out. Couldn't, couldn't find the proof. And many things that people believe that have no connection to reality, they believe because the social media giants control what people read. They control what people think what they read. So anyway, uh, one great thing with Elon Musk, by the way, which I thought was just fabulous. Uh, in a Glenn Beck interview, interview on Glenn Beck, he talked about this uh, ESG crusade, which I can't get into today, but we've talked about ESG crusade before. It's basically the BlackRock effort to impose, impose on corporations around the world. If you want money from, uh, you want investment from this, what BlackRock controls, you have to let this, uh, the, you have to meet these standards of ESG. Uh, and I also forget what they stand for. It's like environmental, social, and gender, I think it is. Whatever it is. Uh, yeah, environmental, social, and governance. But basically, they, they assign a score to companies. And if you don't have enough, you know, of a certain kind of person on your board or a certain kind of uh, person who thinks a certain way, you are just cut off. It's a very evil, it's a typically, uh, this black rock uh, conduct, very typical left-wing control over people, control over corporations, push their agenda, jam it down your throats, no way around it. And so corporations, because they want to have investments that, that, are, that are come from BlackRock, they go, okay, 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 what do we have to do? We have to get an environmental, you know, a leftist on the board, okay. We have to have an a LGBTQ person on the board, okay. We have, whatever it is they just do. To, in order to stay in the game. And I love Elon Musk. He basically said ESG, um, that people who were first complaining about it, 
said it was a conspiracy theory, and it's obviously not. He did say, and this is what Elon Musk said in closing out on him, Elon Musk said he's increasingly convinced that corporate ESG is the devil incarnate. Yeah, baby, that is true. More on all this. You know, the Monday show, uh, I'll tell you folks, I want to tell you a few other things that, uh, that are, are beyond our topics for today in the closing few minutes before we uh, get to um, closing the show out. First of all, if you're listening on radio again, you're going to go out, you're end of the show, uh, you have three minutes uh, left in the show or two minutes left in the show today, uh, and then you're going to go off to uh, your uh, top of the hour break and a new show. I want to urge you to come to our website, americacanbetalk.org. At that website, you can join America Can We Talk for a mere $50 a year. You can subscribe to our newsletter. You can support the show. You can read our, all of our blogs and posts. Lots of great things to read there. So I urge you to come back. And radio listeners, thank you for listening. For everybody else, I also urge you to go to our website, americacanbetalk.org. The reason is this. We have so much more than I can possibly say in a one-hour show available on our website. We are in the process of updating the website. It's going to have a fresher new appearance, I hope, pretty soon. But in any case, lots of information, lots of blog posts. It's there where you can go and be part and, and learn more about what I do in this show and defending and speaking up for America. I also want you to put, mark your calendar for October 15th. Saturday, October 15th, I'm, we're putting out our third annual Women for Freedom Summit. On tomorrow's show, I'm going to share more about the summit, more about two other great events coming up in Dallas. I want to have us all be more engaged in talking about speaking up for and preserving America. That's the purpose of this show, not just to talk to you, but inspire you to get on the bandwagon, be part of the great effort to preserve and protect America, the most extraordinary gift of human liberty ever to bless this earth. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show in Tyranny Rising, Hill to Die On, and Why It Matters to You. <clears throat> so I want to, um, it's time to draw lines. Um, I'm going to, sorry, it's time to draw lines on these issues. The stakes are monumental, historic, getting them wrong means a thousand years of darkness Reagan warned about. And before I read them, I want to say one more thing about them. We can negotiate on a lot of issues in this country. We can negotiate on many, many issues. We cannot negotiate on freedom. We cannot negotiate on whether or not on some issues, there's no meeting people halfway. Just like I tell you, for example, um, that if, there, if it was slavery, there's no negotiating. Slavery is wrong. It always has been wrong. It is wrong. And the goal ought to be for everyone to say it is a absolutely not on slavery. We say no to slavery, period, full stop. Well, there are a lot of issues like that. All of these issues are like that. Election integrity, single most important issue. Without it, democracy is over. What America is, having people again relearn America's unique greatness, birthplace of individual freedom and responsibility under God, freedom of speech, censorship creates mindless masses, border enforcement, without it, we're not a country, healthcare freedom, individual sovereignty, rights of conscience, where there is risk, there must be choice. Currency, digitization, and social credit score equals totalitarian control. Don't let it get started here. Rule of law, no justice from a politicized, weaponized, completely corrupt FBI and DOJ, which is where we are now, and children and sexual grooming, no stability in a society of parentless, sexualized children. We got to take back education and the role of parents. The blessings of America, as founded, have never been in sharper focus. 
The installed leftist regime is seeking America's destruction. We the people are the only defense. And on systemic grooming, I love using the leftist terms against them. They're always talking about systemic racism, which does not exist. Systemic grooming, schools and the Disney battle, sexualization of young children is wrong and indefensible and incalculably damaging to society. Poor teaching of traditional academic subjects carries a terrible price in perpetuating ignorance. But allowing public schools to sexualize, groom young children is exponentially more damaging, a direct attack on the family and on the Judeo-Christian faith. Disney's woke corporate response is beyond tone deaf. Disney's board of directors and C-suite of officers will never U-turn unless until Disney's revenues and business prospects take a sustained and increasingly large hit. It's up to we the people to deliver this result. Do enough Americans care? Yes is the answer to that one. And a COVID tiered in Shanghai screams, extreme lockdowns in Shanghai ought to sound the alarm bells among free people everywhere. Screaming apartment dwellers, massive increase in suicides, depression, killing their pets, and literal starvation in the world today in China. This is what's possible in a nation with no Bill of Rights, no concept of healthcare freedom, no ability of citizens to question authorities or pursue alternatives. Americans must never give up their heritage to any pandemic. And on the Iranian invaders, <clears throat> on our next one, the Iranian invaders, there we go. Significant underreported story. Two Iranians infiltrated the U.S. Secret Service. They were finally discovered and arrested. Their apartments were filled with weapons. Looks very much like an Avenged Soleimani operation. Unclear who is the main target. Uh, yet Biden administration in negotiations with Iran to give them everything they want for nuclear weapon development and do not let them tell you otherwise. The occupant of the White House either has no understanding of America's enemies or does understand America's enemies and is embracing them. And finally, Elon Musk shaking things up. Musk investment in Twitter is melting down the left. <laughs> he actually suggested that Twitter's uh, San Francisco headquarters should be turned into a homeless shelter since nobody goes to work there. I love that one. Uh, noting Twitter users of big followings who don't tweet anymore. Pressuring major change in Twitter censorship policies, Musk reversal about taking a board position suggests a possibility of a later hostile takeover. Musk is becoming America's favorite maverick. More libertarian than anything else, being a native of South Africa makes him hard to stereotype and being the world's richest man makes him hard to contain. Big tech needs the Musk shakeup. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show to speak truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can